We are going to read from probably one of the most power-packed chapters in all of the Bible. It's called the faith chapter, and it's Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to skip through this this chapter kind of together. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13, and then we're going to look at Hebrews 11, 32 through 39. It'll be on the screen. You can turn to it in your, your phone. If you have your phone, or, or uh, you can look on the screen with us. Here's what the Bible says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 33 through 39. And what more shall I say, the author says, I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. It's kind of like, you know, what have you done this week kind of thing, you know? whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. I actually have two titles to my talk today. The first one is Keep the faith. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, just keep the faith. Come on, keep the faith. The second title I have is the Hall of Fame of Faith. The Hall of Fame of Faith. Let's pray together. Jesus, help us. Help your word, God, to be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. I pray, God, that, Lord, this would strike not only our minds, it would strike our hearts. And it would produce life change that we would walk out of this room different than when we came in here. I pray, Jesus, that we would get down to the nitty-gritty of what faith really is and how our lives can be changed because of you. I pray, God, that there would be also great celebration, not only in church, but at 325 in the Superdome today. I thank you, God, that you are a Saints fan. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hey. Have you ever had a moment or something in uh, a person or a moment in your life where you lost faith in something? Raise your hands if you've ever lost faith in something, okay? I'm going to tell you about one of the moments of my life that I will never forget, and most of you in the room will never forget when I lost faith. The date was January 20th, January 20th, 2019. We were playing the Rams, in the NFC Conference Championship. This was to to be decided on who was going to the Super Bowl representing the NFC. Come on, how many of you are starting to feel depressed even when I just brought that up? 
okay? I'm in the living room. I'm gathered there with a bunch of friends and my family. We're literally on the edge of our seats. The game is almost over. The ball is on the 13-yard line of the Rams. All we have to do is score, and we're going to the Super Bowl. Drew Brees does what Drew Brees always does. He throws the ball in an amazing way to Tommy Lee Jones. And out of the middle of nowhere, this Rams player, McCole, Robbie Coleman, I'll never forget his name as long as I live. He comes from out of the middle of nowhere, and he clocks Tommy Lee Jones and literally creates what I, what I did research on this week. He creates... The worst call ever made. It's number one. Just Google it. Google never lies. It is the number one worst call ever to be made in the NFL. And our entire living room felt the, the way that Sean Payton felt in this picture right here. Yeah, that's exactly. That's how I felt. I was like, Sean, get him. I mean, still, does this still hurt for some of you? It still hurts. It still hurts, okay? That was the, the day that I lost faith in the NFL refs. I do not trust them. I do not have faith in them. I wish them no wrong, but I would not let them babysit my kids in any way, shape, or form. Literally lost faith. We all have times that we've lost faith in something. We've lost faith in Someone. And I, this morning, I'm not just talking about the faith in the NFL refs. I'm not just talking about the faith that you had to have if you got in an, an elevator this week and you believed that that elevator was going to take you up and not down. And I, I'm not just talking about the faith that you had to have when uh, you got in the car and you, you had faith that your car would get you here in one piece. I'm not just talking about the faith that you have to have to believe the Swamp Owls are going to win this get the game this week or the upcoming weeks. Come on, somebody. I'm cheering for you. That's for you guys. At least smile about it. Okay? Like, I'm not just talking about that kind of faith. I'm talking about faith in God. What does faith in God look like? What does it take to not lose the faith? What does it take to not abandon this faith, to not walk away from this, this faith, or not come, or, or what would keep you from coming to this faith? Well, the author wants to help us. He wants to tell us what faith is. And he says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, he says, Now faith is. Everybody say is. He's about to tell us. He's about to give us a definition of what faith is. Now, just before we go into what he says faith is, I want to let you know that the root word for faith in the original language, if you're not familiar with the Bible, it actually wasn't written in English. I know that's crazy to believe uh, for us, but it was written in another language called Greek. And the word for faith is, and I promise this is almost going to sound like a cuss word. It's not, okay? This is actually the Greek word for faith. It's pistos, okay? Everybody say pistos. Some of you are like, I'm not saying that. That doesn't sound good. Come on, say pistos. Wheat crowd. Let's keep going. Pistos. There we go. Pistos just means to be persuaded. It means, it's literally, a, 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 if you replace the word, persuasion is, okay? Persuasion is. Faith is. It's to be persuaded. And here's what you have to understand as we move on. To be persuaded is not us persuading God. It is God persuading us. Very important, okay? God persuades us. He says, now 
faith is, okay, and, and again, it's persuasion. Let me just make this clear. Faith is not wishful thinking, okay? It is not magic. It's not a feeling. It's not a formula. It's not this invisible lasso that we get and we try to wrap that lasso, this invisible lasso around God to get him to do things that he wasn't planning on doing. You just got to have faith, brother. You just got to have faith, sister. You just got to have faith that, you know, you're going to get that girlfriend. You just got to have faith. Listen, that's not faith, okay? Faith is persuasion. And the author continues, he says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So he introduces this word, hoped. What is hope? Well, I, I would define definition as hope is wanting something to be with no guarantee. Wanting something to be with no guarantee. In other words, you hope you get a raise. You hope you get a bonus. You hope to get married. You, I mean, you're just hoping to get a date, okay? Like, you hope, you hope she says yes. You, you hope to win the game. It's wanting something to be with no guarantee. He continues, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith happens when hope so becomes so. So watch this. What helps us move from I hope so to it being so? Well, he gives us a word in there, and the word is evidence. Evidence. How do you know when hope is turned into reality? You got the raise. Hello? You got the bonus. Your, off, your boss calls you in and says, I know you've been wanting this raise, this bonus, and here it is. I'm going to give you. So now it's not hope anymore. Now it's reality, okay? It's, it moves from hope to reality when, you know, she says yes, and she texts and says, yes, 730 is good. You can pick me up or whatever it is. Like faith moves from hope so to being so when you have evidence, then he goes on in verse 2 to say, this is what the ancients were commended for. Now, what did he mean, what did he mean by the ancients? Well, he's about to go, the author's about to go, and he's about to walk through this long list of what we would call Jewish heroes, okay? And some of you uh, would recognize the names that he gave, and others of them, you wouldn't know their names, okay? But, but he walks through this long list of, they would have known all of them. I mean, these, these people were like heroes of the faith to the, 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 the people that are reading this or listening to this. He says, this is what they were commended for. And he mentions people like Abraham. Raise your hands if you know the name Abraham. It's okay if you don't, okay? But if you've heard the name Abraham, okay? He, he mentions Abraham. He says, he says stuff like, Abraham it left home, and why did Abraham leave home? Well, he, you know, was it like he was tired of his mom's cooking, that his, his brother was on his nerve? No, he left home because God told him to leave home. And he said, I'm going to show you a land that you, that you don't know of yet. And he leaves home. He obeys God because he believes that God is and that God keeps his promises. It mentions names like Gideon. Gideon was like the original 300 story, y'all. Gideon was like, Thousand years before the Greeks and the Persians are fighting their fight, Gideon is fighting with 300 dudes. He's fighting a group called the Midianites, and at night, he, he goes into a valley with 300 dudes, and literally, the ratio is 200 to 1. So for every one of the people that Gideon is leading, there's 200 Midianites. And the Bible says 200 to 1 ratio, 
God routes them. Man, he delivers his nation. They win the battle. It's amazing. Well, why did that happen? Because Gideon believed by faith that God is and that God keeps his promises. There's another guy in there named Moses, okay? Many of you probably know who Moses is. It might just be from the Disney movie, Prince of Egypt, you know, but you know who Moses is. And the Bible says that Moses leaves Egypt because he's got a price on his head. They want to kill him. And God tells him to go back to Egypt to deliver the people. Now, how many think it doesn't make sense to go back to a country where you're going to be killed when you go back? Hello? And he goes back. Why? Because God says, if you'll go back, I'm going to use you to deliver your people from captivity, from years, hundreds of years of slavery. All of these heroes of the faith were commended by responding to God's personal promises. But I want you to catch this now. This is really important. But more importantly, all of them believed in a global promise. Okay? Watch this. How many of you have personal promises that you are believing God for? Raise your hands if you've got personal things that you're believing God for. Here's what you got to understand. To these people, the global promise was much more important than the personal promise. The global promise meant more than saving the people from captivity in Egypt. The global promise meant more than Abraham's descendants and his land that God gave him. The global promise meant more than Gideon defeating the army. That was his personal promise. The global promise is, is what? Well, you got to pay attention here because this is a really big deal. Watch this. 11, for, uh, chapter 11, verse 13. Watch this. All these people were still living by faith. When they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a what? In other words, they didn't see the global promise take place. What is the evidence of our faith? What is this global promise that the author is trying to communicate in chapter 11 that these heroes of the faith, this hall of fame of the faith, that what, what is that global promise? Well, it's a promise that God had spoken to Abraham 2,000 years earlier that from his seed, from his family uh, inheritance, that there would be a person that would be born, a seed that would be born. Listen to this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is, let's say that loudly together, who? Christ. Okay. So in other words, the global promise is who? It's Christ. And they died not seeing the global promise. Jude, this other guy that writes a, a, the, the, a, a tiny book in the Bible. Listen, if you ever just want to say, like, I read a whole book of the Bible, turn to Jude, okay? It's one page, okay? And so Jude actually says this. He says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the what? For the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So here's the question. What is this faith that we contend for? What is faith? What are we contending for here? And I believe
believe we are at a major crossroads in our country right now because we have people abandoning the faith. We have people deconstructing their faith. We have people going on social media and putting out videos about, about, about why everything they learned in church growing up isn't right and, and how they're walking away from it. We have people that believe more in political ideologies than they do a, a real faith. We have the, the faith has actually gotten lost and it's gotten really confusing. What is faith? What, is, what are we contending for? What, what are we believing for? If I was to pull you up on stage today and say, give me a definition for faith, I, I, it'd be amazing the dozens of different definitions that we would get here on stage, okay? Somebody say, I know, I know, I know. Hey, call on me, Wayne, call on me. I know what faith is. Faith is, what church do you attend? That's faith. Wait, 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 no, no, I know it, I know it, I know it. Faith is we do good things, we're moral, we have nice events, we give to charity, that's faith. But I got to tell you all, listen, we read some verses about people dying, did we not? We read some verses about people getting sawn in two. We read some verses about people getting stoned to death. I'm just going to tell you right now, I ain't dying for an event, hello? I ain't dying you know, I'm not dying just because we give money. I'm not dying for good morals, y'all. I, like, listen, I, you know, I call myself a Christian and all that, but I'm not persuaded by those things. So what is faith? What kind of faith causes people to lay down their lives and to live lives every single day based on faith? What, what, where does that come from? What kind of faith? does God give us? I believe there's three ways, and I want you to write these down. There's three ways that God persuades us. This is the faith, okay? And I also believe that there is a substitute for each one of these. Watch this now, okay? There's, there's, there's three ways that God persuades us. Remember the word faith equals persuasion. And there's three substitutes for each one of these. So the first one is this. Faith is an event, not just an idea. Watch this now. Faith is an event, not just an idea. Ladies and gentlemen, I am standing on this stage because of an event. I am standing on this stage because there was an event where there was a virgin birth and God sent himself, he sent his son Jesus down on planet earth, he lived a pure life, a sinless life, he was the only perfect person, he had perfect thoughts, perfect actions, everything he did was right. And he did that through his whole life and then at 30 years old he goes on this incredible sprint where he performs miraculous. He loves the unlovable. He, he, he helps those who are marginalized. He gives value to women and to children and to different ethnicities. And he loves people that nobody else in society loved. And then, watch this now, there was an event. There was an event where a curtain, a temple, split in two. The sky got dark. The earth shook. There were elements of the 
the earth that had to respond to the creator giving his life. He wasn't murdered on a cross. Listen, Jesus said, I lay down my life for those whom I love. There was an event that literally shook the earth. Literally shook the planet. And then his followers thought, it's over. It's over. The revolution is over. This Jesus thing, it's, it's over. Everything we thought, everything we believed. And then listen to me, y'all. Three days later, Jesus comes walking into the city streets because he raised from the dead. He's got nail scars on his hands. And listen, there was an event. We've made Christianity an idea. We, we weigh it out against other ideas. We say, well, I've decided that Christianity is a better idea than this other thing here. And so here's what you do with an idea. You agree, and then you conform to it. And that's what we've made Christianity in many ways. We've made it like this. Ah, that's good. I, I, I think I can get, a, I, I, I could go there with you. Yeah, Pastor, that's, that's convincing. That's good. That's good. Yep. Yep, that's good. I agree. And we look around and go, I think I can get with this. I think I can conform. I could, I could maybe fit in with these people. You know, I mean, if Cameron can do it, I think any of us can do it, you know. And, kidding. I love Cameron. He's the best. So we go, oh, yeah, I, I like that idea. I like Christianity sounds better than, you know, other stuff. That's good, Pastor. I'm convinced. Thank you for convincing me. Here's the problem. If I can convince you with a great idea to become a Christian, somebody who's a better speaker and, and smarter than me is going to come along and convince you not to be. Hello? I'm not laying down my life for a good idea. Christianity is not an idea. I'm not here. Listen, y'all giving good advice today. I'm not here. I didn't show up today to go, I'm just here today to tell you about life. Here's principles for good living that are going to help you be a better person. Here's the five steps to becoming a better leader. Here's the, here's the four steps to becoming a better husband. Here's the three steps to becoming a better football player. I couldn't even do that. Anyway, I'm not here giving advice today. I'm bound to the story, y'all. I'm bound to the event. That's what I'm up here talking about today. There was an event. So watch this now. There was an event. It happened. There was a perfect human being that was all God, all human that was born, lived a perfect life, died on the cross so we could have relationship with him, rose from the dead. It happened, y'all. It was an event. You can go beyond the Bible. You can see there was an event. It happened. And then there was a happening, and then there was witnesses, and the witnesses were like, wow, whoa, hundreds of eyewitnesses, the Bible says, saw him. They saw he was alive after he had died. He rose from the dead. Paul tells us in a book called Corinthians that over 500 people saw him. And so they're like, there was this event, and there was witnesses, and it happened, and they're like, wow, and then they go like this, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Have you heard? Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Have you heard? Have you heard? 2,000 years later, this is our message. Have you heard? This isn't an idea. 
This is, I'm not up here for some good idea. This is an idea that's better than the other ideas. This is an event that led to witnessing, that led to have you heard. Listen, Christianity is news on the streets, y'all. Have you heard? Have you heard? Not. We're going to sing these songs, and there's going to be this preacher, and, and you know, and what church do you go to? Well, I go to this church, or I go, I'm, you know, I, well, I'm Pentecostal. I'm, I'm Catholic. I'm, no, no, no. Christianity is, have you heard? He rose from the dead. Have you heard? It's an event. We've made it an idea that we agree with and conform to. Secondly, Christianity and, and the faith, okay, being a person of faith is a person not a list of principles. It's a person, not a list of principles. God gave us a person, not just principles. And watch this now. We gather together today because of a, what? A person, okay? I'll, I'll let you try it again. Okay. We gather together today because of a, a person, yeah. We don't get us, we don't gather together today because we have principles that make us feel better than everybody else that's out there. Okay? We don't gather today to go, preach it, Pastor. Raise the standard. We gotta be better. We gotta be moral. We gotta do better. We gotta, you know, stop doing that. We gotta start doing this. And man, we, you know, we got principles here and you know, I, I'm here because I vote for so-and-so. <laughs> we got principles. I got, a, I got a list, Pastor, of things I do and things I stop doing. Yep. We walk around talking to each other. Yep. How you doing on that area? Oh, you're still doing it. Ah, I stopped that in 98. Stopped doing that in 98. Yep, God set me free. What am I going to say? You know, like... Haven't done it since. Thought about it. Do have a lot of other stuff that I do, but you know, I don't stop doing that one. Because we all have our pet principles, don't we? We have our little pet things that, like, we think make us Christians. The faith is, we do this, we don't do this. This list of long list of principles that we each have, and all of our lists are different. You know, like like my list probably look different than your list, but. Till we say, you know, well, we get together because we're moral and we're good and we're better than all those other pagan, heathen, evil nah, people that are out there. I mean, Halloween, y'all. These are the real Christians, the one that still came to church on Halloween. Anyway, let's move on. We're not here because of our principles. There are principles in God's Word. But we don't gather together just because we think our principles are better. We are gathered together around the person of Jesus. Listen to John 1, 16 through 18 from the message version of the Bible. It says, we all live off this generous abundance, gift after gift after gift. We got the basics for Moses and then this exuberant giving and receiving. This endless knowing and understanding. All this came through who? All this came through doing good things. All this came through our list of pet principles. Does it say that? All this came through who? Jesus the Messiah. 
No one has ever seen God, not so much as a glimpse, but this one-of-a-kind one God expression who exists at the very heart of the Father has made him plain as day. In other words, if you want to see God, all you got to do is look at Jesus. Principles will make you feel better about you. This is why we abuse grace, because it's a lot easier to abuse a principle than it is to abuse a person. We are not gathered together because of a list of principles. If you are here and you think you're here because you have better principles than others, what that creates is a bunch of proud peacocks running around town. A bunch of proud Christians that think they're better than other people because we have better principles. We're more principled than other people are. Yeah, you might do better things, but I listen, Jesus knows your thoughts. And if I could just put on the screen all of your thoughts, not what you did, but what you thought about doing. Huh? Listen, it's not about our principles. It's about the person of Jesus. Number three. The third way that God persuades us, first of all, it's an event, not just an idea. It's a person, not a list of principles. And then lastly, it's a leading, not a label. It's a leading, not a label. Christianity is a leading. It is a walking with God. It is a doing what God says. It is a relational dynamic where he talks, you listen, you obey. It is a leading. It is not a label. Mark 8, 34 says, and the, the, this is Jesus, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, if any, anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? Follow me. We've turned Christianity into a label. What is a label? It's a look, okay? Like, you know, we, we've got our own Christian look. It's a subculture. Listen, when did Christianity ever become a subculture? Hello? What, what, you think Paul and Peter and the people that were sawn in two and stone, you think they died so we could have a good subculture? Hello? Well, which worship band do you like better? I like this band better. And, well, well you know, well, you know, <clears throat> yeah. Are you a hip Christian? Or are you like an old school, you know, type, legalistic type? You know, it's like all these little subcultures that we, we have. And, you know, well, I don't like them. That, that's more of a gospel feel, you know. I'm more of like a Hillsong, white people jump up and down type of guy myself, you know. And, and you know, it's this all this like religious subculture, Christian ease, this whole subculture that we have made Christianity out to be. And we, we've made it a label, a connecting point. Like, we've made it like this. Like, well, what do you like? Well, I like football. I like football. I like Jesus. <gasps> I do too. Samesies. We're Christians. We've got the label. We've got the look. We've got the subculture. We've got all this figured out. Listen, Christianity ain't about a label. It's about a leading. It's about Jesus saying what? Come what? Follow me. In other words, Jesus says to us, hey, come with me. Here's what we do. We go like this. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I got God in my life now. All right, Jesus, you ready to roll? 
Come with me, Jesus. And Jesus is like, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait. It don't work like that. I know, Jesus, I know, like, but here's the thing, Jesus. I, I, like the, I, I like the idea. I agree with your principles. And, and I'm repping your label, Jesus. I even got my FCA shirt on. I'm repping. I'm repping the label. So let's roll, Jesus. You come with me. I got plans. I got things. I want you in the car with me. I want you rolling through life with me. I want you to be involved in my marriage, and I'm cool with you. You know, even like, you know, I'll even take you to work some days, depending on how I feel and what what my boss does that day. And, yeah, like, come with me, Jesus. I'm ready. You know, come with me. And and Jesus is like, "Uh uh-uh. Come with you? Wait. I'm God. Hello? Jesus is like, I actually, like, created the universe. Uh, I actually have a plan for the world and for you, and that's, like, a real understatement. This ain't about, all right, Jesus, let's roll. This is about, Jesus, I'm just following you. Wherever you go, wherever you want me to go, Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm following you. My finances belong to you, Jesus. My life belongs to you. My marriage belongs to you. My grades belong to you. Come on, I'm helping you all out. Like, 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 that all belongs to you. Like, my life belongs to you. This is not a label that I'm, I'm, you know, repping Christianity. This is not an idea. This is not a list of principles. This is an event that happened. Have you heard? This is a person named Jesus, and it is him leading me, and I'm going where he follows. Come with me. All of those people that did great things, this saw nation set free. All these people in Hebrews chapter 11. Why did they do this? They did this because they believed God and they believed God's promises. They did this because they were not having God follow them. They were following him. There was a leading that led some of them to lay down their lives. When did we make this thing about an idea? An idea that happens to be better than other ideas. When did we make this about a list of principles? And when did we make this whole subculture Christian thing a label instead of a leading as it should be? Here's the question for today. You can write it down or you can just think about it. Do you have a faith worth living for and worth dying for? I mean, like, Let me just give you a secret. If you're not waking up every day and saying, I'm just following you, Jesus, what do you want? You want, here, here's my relationships, here's my job, here's my future, here's my plans, here's, here's, Lord, you can have all of me. Lord, here's my finances, Lord, here's my priorities, Lord, there's nothing above you. If you're not waking up and letting him lead you, if you're not waking up and thinking about him as the person, not a list of principles that you're trying to attain, if you're not waking up and every once in a while at least thinking about this event, that you should literally, like, it should change your life. They were waiting on that event. Like, it never happened before they died, but we are on the other side of the event, and we get to go, listen, what you were waiting for and died for not seeing, we know it happened. Have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard?
if you're not waking up on a daily basis thinking about those things, I'm going to tell you something. If and when the moment ever came in real persecution, I'm not talking about fake persecution like they're waking me wearing a mask. That's not real persecution. I mean like real persecution, like gun to the head, like, like, like this actually talks about, this chapter. I'm going to tell you, if you're not living every day with that kind of faith, ain't no way you're dying for that kind of faith. As I get ready to close, I just felt today, just, just felt the, uh, when I woke up, just felt the Holy Spirit just speak to me and, and ask me to do something I don't think I've ever done in a, an adult service. I was thinking about the Hall of Fame of Faith. I was thinking about the people that could sit in these chairs. I, I was thinking about Abraham, Moses, Gideon. I was thinking about the disciples, the disciples who literally left everything. Like, they left their homes. They left everything behind. And they just, they just got behind Jesus and started following. I was thinking about them, and I was thinking about the hall of fame of faith. People that live with a real faith and that were willing to die. I was thinking about them, and I was thinking about us, and I was thinking about, like, are we, are we worthy to be counted among them? Are we worthy to be counted in the same group? Like, could we sit in their chairs? Are, are we, do we have that kind of faith in our lives? Let me just quickly read some descriptions to you. Here's James the Less. He was the younger brother of Jesus he really existed. He, he converted many people to Christ. He was respected by everyone, even those who did not believe. The chief priests had a plan, and they wanted him to deny his faith. How did James the Less, the younger brother of, of Jesus, die? He died by being pushed off a roof while he was preaching. He fell, broke his legs. Then people tried to stone him, but they were stopped. And so they, he finally died by being hit in the head with a club at age 94. Then there's the other, the other James. Let's talk about the other James for just a second. He was arrested for being a, a Christian based on one man's word. The man who blamed him saw his face and was moved by, by love and asked the Lord into his heart. How did, how did the other James die? He, he had his head cut off. Then there was Thaddeus. Let's talk about Thaddeus for a second. Thaddeus wrote the book of Jude, that, that short book you can read. He traveled to Mesopotamia, Syria, Arabia, and Persia. He preached boldly against worshiping idols. The priests saw that they were losing followers, so they got mad. How did he die? He was attacked with sticks and clubs and was beaten to death. Then we have one that most people have heard about. His name is Simon Peter. I, I really don't mean to be grotesque. This is just what happened. Simon Peter, before he died, they raped his wife. Then they crucified his wife in front of him. He had the guts to say, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. So they had to turn him upside down on the cross. And Peter was crucified. Then there's Andrew. He was Simon Peter's brother. He, he's the one that actually led Simon Peter to Christ. We don't hear much about Andrew. He was a little quieter, people think, than, than his brother. But if there would have been no Andrew, there would have been no Peter. 
Andrew voluntarily came face to face with Agus, the governor, to persuade him not to persecute Christians. He was not afraid of death by the cross. He hung for three days on a cross as long as he could move his tongue. He preached to all who could hear him from the cross to remain steadfast and and keep the faith and to come to faith. Over 50 people gave their lives to Christ while he was hanging on a cross. There's another one named Philip. Philip led an, an early revival He saw a lot of signs and wonders, a lot of great miracles. People were healed. It was really powerful stuff. He taught and he planted many churches. How did he die? He was whipped, thrown in prison, and later crucified. Then there's the disciple that wrote one of the Gospels. His name is Matthew. He wrote his Gospel to the Jews in in Hebrew. He went to Ethiopia and accomplished much with his teachings. He was arrested actually arrested while he was teaching in a church. How did he die? He was dragged outside, nailed to the ground, speared, and then beheaded. Then there was Simon the Zealot. Simon the Zealot, he he preached the gospel in Egypt and North Africa and Mauritania. He died by being painfully tortured. Then there was Thomas. Some of you may know him as Doubting Thomas. He was the guy that didn't believe even after Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus actually had to show him his, his scars. By the way, if you're here and you, and, and you have that, that makeup, that intellectual makeup where you have doubt, Jesus still loves you. He still, he's willing to show you the scars. It's okay. And, and Thomas preached the gospel in India and North Africa. God used him to put a stop to idolatry. The priests were furious, so they tortured him. How did he die? He died by being thrown into a furnace, but it didn't hurt him. So he finally, after they pulled him out of the furnace, he was speared to death. Just a few more. There's Bartholomew. Bartholomew boldly preached for 37 years. He saw so many people come to Christ. He stood up to the king and would not sacrifice to their idols. How did Bartholomew die? He died by being beaten, suspended upside down on a cross, and then as he was hanging on the cross, they skinned him alive. Last one, John, the Apostle John. His reputation was that he would not die until Jesus returned. He was one of Jesus' closest friends. He witnessed miracles the other ones did not. He had a quiet zeal, a quiet intensity. He was forced to drink poison, persecuted, imprisoned, boiled in hot oil, outlived all of the other apostles, and finally died in peace by himself on an island at the age of 101, writing what we now read called the book of Revelation. All of these men, these Old Testament heroes of the faith, these New Testament disciples, they were actually people. They, they not only represent people, they were people. And they didn't die for an idea, a list of principles, and a label. They died because there was an event. They died because of the person of Jesus. And they were following him as he was leading them. What's the faith? It's an event. It's a person. It's a leading. That's 
what we live and die for, y'all. I hope that we can sit in the chair at the Hall of Fame. I hope when I get to heaven that I can look at Peter who died upside down on a cross. I hope I can look at Bartholomew and say, I gave my life for the same thing you did, man. We're together for the event, for the person, because I was following this leading of this Jesus. Not for a label, not for a list of principles, and not just for some good idea. That's the face. Close your eyes, bow your heads across this place. If you're here today, this is a real, and I, I promise if you're a first-time guest, all of my FCA friends, I'm not, I'm not always this intense. You're not always going to hear about people being skinned and crucified. I just couldn't get around this this morning. Some of you go, man, that, that, that guy's intense. I'm just jumping out of my seat. I'm ready to get out of this place, man. This is intense. It's the faith, y'all. It's the real deal.